Blog Talk Radio. October 17th edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and I have some of the usual listeners here in the chat room. I think my switch in schedule has thrown some people, but yes, I'm going to be doing the show on Mondays. And then also starting next week, not this week, but next week, a second show each week. And it's going to be either on Wednesday or Thursday, and that depends on whether we're going to be able to figure out how to broadcast live to the new Denver affiliate. So if you want to keep abreast of the schedule, go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com. Don'tletitgo.com is where I will be announcing all of the various schedule changes. If you do follow me on Blog Talk Radio, you'll get an email shortly before I'm actually going live. I do that pretty routinely now. Uh, so you can check that out as well if you want to just prefer, you know, prefer to follow me over at the blog at Don't Let It Go. Excuse me. Blog Don't Let It Go.com. Blog Talk Radio. You can follow me there as well. There is social media too, Facebook, Twitter. I am out there. I'm even on Instagram, but I don't post about the show on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at Don't Let It Go. It's a little bit more indulgent and fun stuff over there. So that's the logistics. This week I'm talking to you right now on Monday and then next week we'll do Monday and Wednesday or Thursday depending on what we're going to set up in terms of you know the ability to broadcast live. I would like to broadcast live for Denver and take callers and um, you know, speak to people there. I used to live in Colorado and my family is actually on my grandmother's side from Colorado. Uh, so it's kind of cool to be on on the air out, out there. So everyone go to the blog, don'tletitgo.com if you want to check out program notes for today's show. As you can see, if you are a 1984 aficionado, you'll get what I'm talking about right away. But the title is Big Sister and the nine minutes hate big sister and the nine minutes hate and what am i talking about what in the world is the nine minutes hate as i say in the description to this show it is going to be spoiler replete 1984 spoiler replete so if you have not read 1984 or seen the movie and you don't want it spoiled for you then probably what you want to do is listen to this show at a later time 
uh, if you're listening live either on Blog Talk Radio or on either of the affiliates in Miami or Denver, then what you'd like to do is check out the podcast, recorded podcast, after you've had your chance to read 1984 and or watch the movie. But hopefully all of you are with me and hopefully all of you kind of followed my thinking when I saw some of the analysis of media coverage from the last week or so. What I've got is a Newsbust article, MRC Newsbusters, and Brent Bazell over there says that the media are twisting, distorting, and lying about information on Hillary. And something that's notable about this particular piece is its analysis of the relative coverage, uh, the coverage that all of, you know, either the comments by Trump or the alleged groping by Trump. I have a friend who calls him the gilded groper. Um, the, the coverage that he has been getting, and of course, a lot of negative coverage that he's been getting in the media, versus the coverage of all of the very important WikiLeaks data on Hillary Clinton. And if you compare this in terms of statistics, it is quite alarming. So let's look at what Bozell has to say at this Newsbusters article. He says, let me give you a week-long number account. He says, in the last week, they have done, and we're talking the top broadcast media, ABC, NBC, and CBS. They've done 253 minutes of coverage on Trump. He says that's over four hours. ABC, NBC, CBS, just on the news, over four hours. The totality of the WikiLeaks coverage, 37 minutes. And he says a lot of that coverage is coverage that's not even harmful to Hillary. They're talking about things other than those things that might be harmful to her. Whereas the four hours, 100% of it is critical of Trump. And the way that I got the nine minutes hate title is that he had turned on the network news um, actually, it's Varney who's talking about this. He, he noticed that ABC spent nine minutes on Trump and women, NBC nine minutes on Trump and the women, and CBS five minutes on Trump and the women. And those three broadcast networks spent only seconds, just seconds, on the new WikiLeaks revelation. So they're saying this is a skewing of the news in extraordinary fashion. Now, what do I mean by the nine-minute hate. If you have read 1984, you know that in that book, I mean, first of all, 1984, we all think of it as the book that tells you what sort of society you would live in if there was complete and total government surveillance of your life. But it's not just about that. It's also about, you know, various ways that the party, you know, the so-called party, controlled your thought processes and your evaluations and everything else through various means. And everyone knows, you know, Big Brother, right? Big Brother is watching you. Um, but Big Brother and, you know, may have been just an actual fictitious creation of the party. But, you know, Big Brother also tried to get you to have devotion to him and moreover, hatred for his nemesis, the, this man who was called Emmanuel Goldstein. And according to the lore of the party, the, the ruling party in 1984, according to the, the lore, 
Goldstein was ostensibly a former leader of the party. He was a counter-revolutionary leader of the Brotherhood and supposedly authored a book that was called The Theory and Practice of Oligarchical Collectivism. Uh, so they have him as the symbolic enemy of the state. Now, what did they do? If you went to work anywhere, I guess, maybe if you're only working for the party, but I think also anywhere you were in the entire country of Oceana, as they called it in, in the book, what would happen is I think at least once per day, they would do something called the two minutes hate. So on your telescreen, and these telescreens are everywhere, right? The telescreens are watching you, but also you are compelled to watch certain presentations on the telescreen. Everyone is supposed to turn their attention to the telescreen and the telescreen is going to regale you with all this negative stuff about Goldstein. And you are supposed to get worked up into this frenzy and denounce Goldstein and want to throw things at the telescreen and get really angry. They call it the two minutes hate. Everyone is supposed to have this hate just fomenting in them. And not surprisingly, again, everybody in this novel lives under this dictatorship and there's deprivation and everything else as you would expect. So, Probably the hate that they are, you know, kind of emoting out of them. It, it's not necessarily about this Goldstein. It's about whatever. But, you know, what the government is doing there, the party is doing, is giving you a convenient target to vent. It's at this guy Goldstein, who's such a horrible person. So when I was, you know, again, seeing this from Bozell, the nine minutes, what are we all doing right now? Um, we are all expressing this hatred and disgust for, again, the gilded groper. Other, another friend called him, um, what is it, Cheeto Jesus? Yeah, Cheeto Jesus, because everyone makes fun of the orange, and every, you know he's also got the, the treatment like Jesus. But in any event, um, what do we do? You know, we're all supposed to express this hatred for Trump, get caught up in this hatred. And then when the little WikiLeaks news comes on, it's also not going to even be presented in a, a negative way against Hillary Clinton. Yeah, by the way, big sister is Hillary Clinton, of course, in my little analogy here to 1984. And so here we are. You know, we are being manipulated, or at least the media is trying to manipulate us into getting so caught up in our hatred and our disgust for Trump that we're going to give big sister Hillary Clinton a pass, right? So that's really the, the root of the analogy here. But what I want to talk about today uh, is not just that. I mean, first of all, it's very alarming, this idea that the media is so on board with Hillary Clinton before she has ever won an election that we're getting this very, very biased presentation in an election year. That is really disturbing. Not because the media shouldn't be free to do this. Suppose all of the media just happens to love Hillary Clinton, right? Um, do they have a right to go ahead and do this and have this coverage that is heavily skewed? Sure. But we should also have a right to critique it. We should also have a right to start our own media outlets in competition with NBC, ABC, and CBS, and we should be able to point out this bias coverage, which is what I'm trying to do here on my little show. So, um, you know, yeah, do they, do they have a right to do it? 
Would it be government censorship if we told them that they couldn't do it? Sure. But what we also get the indication of is going on behind the scenes is that they are in the pocket of a politician. And if we have the media in the pockets of politicians, particularly Hillary Clinton, who is an enemy of freedom of expression, we are in big, big trouble. So this is something that regardless of the outcome of the election that's about to come up, we need to be worried about this. Trump himself has been shown to be an enemy of freedom of expression and the press this week when he was threatening to sue New York Times when clearly he didn't really have a cause to sue New York Times. New York Times was probably in its right you know, to publish what it has about the allegations of sexual assault. So we're going to look at all of this, and we're also going to specifically pay some attention to the evidence against Hillary Clinton that has been coming out in WikiLeaks and that everyone is ignoring and that I urge you to pay attention to. There's many people out there who say, I'm voting for Hillary Clinton because Donald Trump is scary. I submit that Hillary Clinton is just as scary, if not scarier. So don't be under any illusions if you're voting for Hillary Clinton. And in fact, I'm getting very sympathetic with some of the ideas that are uh, in a couple of the stories that I've got to discuss later today. There's some ideas about how to block Hillary Clinton and perhaps get someone else appointed by Congress. So let's go ahead and we'll take a look at all of that as well. Go to don'tletitgo.com if you want to look at all of these program notes that I have. I've got a little link to 1984 for you there. And by the way, there is one more parallel to 1984 that's going to come out in the course of some of this that we'll talk about. Actually, I don't know if I've got this particular thing in the links, but we'll go ahead and talk about it because it's come out as part of the WikiLeaks revelations, the emails of Podesta have shown some of this. So it gives you another interesting parallel between, you know, what's going on in, in 1984. So as I said, check that out. Don't let it go.com. If you're listening live here at blog talk radio, feel free to call the number to call. If you want to talk to me is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. One thing I'd be interested in knowing is given everything that's been going on in the last week, week and a half news cycle, are you thinking of changing your voting strategy one way or the other? So for example, I knew some people who actually had a Trump sign in their yard, right? They had posted a Trump sign and they took it down, right? Some Trump supporters are going the opposite direction from what I hear and they're starting to threaten riots and everything else because they're thinking the election is being stolen, uh, some people don't necessarily think the election is being stolen, but they're seeing Hillary Clinton's manipulation of the media, and they're more tempted to vote for Trump simply in reaction to that. Other people are completely disgusted with the whole lot of it and are thinking of voting for Johnson or potentially for other third-party candidates, depending on which state they are in. And we'll talk about the strategies surrounding that later as well. So I'd love to hear your input if you have any. It's 760 Um, So again, we've got, statistically speaking, the media are making what Donald Trump has in his past seem so much more horrible than anything that Hillary Clinton has in her past. You know, we could talk about her husband 
and what he is guilty of in terms of comments about women, uh, you know, uninvited groping and other sexual contact with women that's been alleged about Hillary, uh, excuse me, Bill Clinton. Uh, we could talk about Hillary Clinton's assassination of the characters of these women who have accused Bill Clinton and how hypocritical it is, given that she has sometimes said in the past that rape victims should be believed when they, you know, make their accounts of what has happened to them, et cetera. So that's one thing, just even you know, on the same issue, Hillary Clinton would be a bit of a hypocrite, but not even looking at that. If you look at what Hillary Clinton has done when she held positions of power and influence in our federal government, namely in the State Department, it is truly alarming. So let me go ahead and get to that piece, because this is the stuff that is being obscured by the nine minutes hate while you're busy, you know, throwing all of your hatred and venom at Trump, which I'm sure is deserved, right? You know, I I don't doubt that some of the accounts might be true, although I've heard that these so-called, you know, kind of accounts can be manufactured, that potentially the Herman Cain accusers haven't been heard from again and all this. I don't know. Uh, But do I love Trump? Do I counsel that you should vote for Trump? I think if you vote for Trump, uh, you know, first of all, you're not voting for anybody very good. And second of all, um, you know, what are you going to get? You you have no idea what you're going to get. It's a total crapshoot as far as I can tell. So I am, you know, keep in mind that in telling you all of these horrible things about Hillary Clinton, I am not counseling that you vote for Donald Trump. I am sympathetic with some of the people who are saying, look, I'm going to vote for Trump because I think it's the only way to stop Hillary Clinton. But I think that there is potentially another way to stop Hillary Clinton that doesn't involve you voting for somebody who is no good and potentially even just a puppet of Hillary. And that's the thing I want to talk about in a little bit here, too. So what I've got is the Wall Street Journal piece that Kimberly Strassel wrote, and it was updated yesterday, October 16th says, if average voters turned on the TV for five minutes this week, chances are they know that Donald Trump made lewd remarks a decade ago and now stands accused of groping women. So lewd remarks and groping women. These are not good things, right? Obviously, these are not good things. But this is what the news media has been making you get preoccupied about. She says, but even if average voters had the TV on 24-7, they still probably haven't heard the news about Hillary Clinton that the nation now has proof of pretty much everything she has been accused of. So what, is, what are the things that she's been accused of that we now have proof of thanks to WikiLeaks? First of all, that she purposefully, with the requisite intent probably required for indictment, mishandled classified information on a private server. And how do we know that this happened. Why? Because we have proof of the subsequent cover-up. If you are engaging in, you know, this kind of cover-up behavior to try to exculpate yourself from charges, then that shows guilt. That is evidence of guilt. And that's the sort of evidence that has come out with regard to that. The other thing that she has done, there is also now proof of, thanks to WikiLeaks, and it is that 
they granted under Hillary Clinton's State Department tenure special access to the State Department based on someone's donor status at the Clinton Foundation, that there was this corrupt overlap between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department. Moreover, the Obama administration, which is supported by our tax dollars, helped the Clinton campaign in this regard. Uh, so these, these are the main things that have been shown. So let me go through and give you some details. And this is the thing. I, I think this is one of the reasons that people end up tuning this out because some of it gets very complicated. So, for example, one of the links that I'm sending you that has some more details, I've got the links at don'tletitgo.com. One of the links talks about the way that they classify information and it's got this code versus that code. It starts to get very technical. But what are the simple things? The simple things are that there were modifications made to cover up her wrongdoing and that they have proof of this, right? So if you have proof of intentional covering up of your wrongdoing, then the thing that you were doing was intentional. You can't say that it, it wasn't if you're engaging in this cover-up. And then second of all, this dirty, corrupt overlap between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department. That's a little bit easier to show, right, without getting into technicalities. But the technicalities of how classified information is treated and the codes and the blood, that can get a little mind-numbing. And it could be that when the media does present it in the mind-numbing fashion, the purpose of that is to make you not pay attention to it. But Strassel does a really nice job in this Wall Street Journal piece of laying out a case in simpler terms. Of course, Wall Street Journal is behind a paywall, so I don't know if all of you are able to access it. I happen to be able to you know, click on it and read one of my few free items during the month or so. But, you know, once you pass a certain limit, you can't. Uh, if you can, though, do pass this information on. So she says, um, there's all these emails that comes in the, from the hacked emails dumped by WikiLeaks. By the way, there's more WikiLeaks dumps today, and we'll talk about that. Uh, released under the Freedom of Information Act as well. There's some Freedom of Information Act and accounts from FBI insiders. So you put all this information together, WikiLeaks, uh, FOIA requests, and FBI insiders together, you put this together and you get this case against Clinton. She says, the media has almost uniformly ignored the flurry of bombshells, preferring to devote the front pages to the Trump story. So here's the case that she makes. She says, first, there was a June 2015 email to Clinton staffers from Erica Rottenberg, the former general counsel of LinkedIn. And in that email, June 2015, Rottenberg wrote that she doesn't understand uh, how it could be okay slash secure appropriate to use a private server for secure documents and why further Hillary took it upon herself to review and delete the documents, end quote. Now, later, apparently Rottenberg is saying, no, that wasn't really her view. It was the view of some friends who were going to attend a campaign event. But still, the point is, is that this charge has been put in front of Hillary Clinton in June 2015. She says, it smacks of acting above the law and it smacks of the type of thing I've either gotten discovery sanctions for, fired people for, etc. Now, obviously, if she said that, that's her view, right? She's saying this is stuff from her experience that would have resulted in that consequence. Uh, later, September 2015 email 
Clinton confidant fretted that Mrs. Clinton was too bullheaded to acknowledge that she'd done wrong. Quote, everyone wants her to apologize, and she should. Apologies are like her Achilles heel. Also, Clinton staffers, these WikiLeaks show, they debated about how to evade a congressional subpoena of Mrs. Clinton's emails, and this was three weeks before a technician deleted them. So they knew a subpoena was coming, and they deleted them. They had conscious, you know, explicitly debated these in emails. The campaign, uh, Strassel writes, later employed a focus group to see if it could fool Americans into thinking that the email scandal was just part of the Benghazi investigation, and then you could just say it's a Republican plot. So this is the information from WikiLeaks. The information from WikiLeaks tells you the deliberate strategy to delete evidence and try to cover up and mitigate what Hillary Clinton did. But of course, it was all just a mistake, right? She's not telling you it's anything but a mistake. Uh, There was no harm, no foul. Why? Because it wasn't hacked. Who cares if she didn't follow the proper procedure? And who cares if she lied about it and deliberately covered it up? Because after all, Donald Trump said horrible things and maybe groped some women, right? Just remember, just keep it, you know, keep focused on the nine minutes hate there. Donald Trump, you know, he uh, said all these horrible things and he maybe groped some women. So don't focus on what Hillary Clinton did wrong, right? So now we bring in the evidence from an FBI official. It says a senior FBI official involved with the Clinton investigation told Fox News this week that, quote, the vast majority of career agents, career agents, the people who are in the FBI as careers, not as political appointees, that those career agents and prosecutors who were working on the case, quote, felt she should be prosecuted, end quote. And this FBI official said that giving her a pass, deciding not to indict her, was, quote, a top-down decision, a top-down decision. That means a decision made by political appointees, and that means a decision influenced by Barack Obama. Yeah, FBI leads to Department of Justice leads to Obama, says Tim Peck here in the chat room. Yeah, this is crazy. Freedom Breeze says, how is it that Hillary has not been arrested by the FBI? How it is, is, as you know, what Tim says here in the chat room, FBI leads to Department of Justice, leads to Barack Obama. I think that's what we're going to end up finding out, and that's the thing that's going to be pretty scary. So now we've got WikiLeaks information. We've got information from the FBI. Now we also find out uh, the Obama administration Uh, was working as an extension of the Clinton campaign in this. The State Department coordinated with Clinton's staff in responding to the email scandal, and the Justice Department kept her team informed about developments in the court case. Uh, Where that might come from is either Freedom of Information Act, probably, or WikiLeaks. Uh, They say also Mrs. Clinton's State Department, as documents obtained under the Freedom of Information Act show, They took special care of donors to the Clinton Foundation. There's a series of 2010 emails in which a senior aide to Mrs. Clinton asked a foundation official to let her know which groups offering assistance with the Haitian earthquake relief were FOB, which means Friends of Bill, or WJC VIPs, which is William Jefferson Clinton VIPs. 
Those who made the cut appear to have been teed up for contracts. They would get contracts to help with the Haitian earthquake relief. And those who weren't would go to a standard government website if they wanted to go ahead and, you know, put in a bid or something. So they say, yes, the foundation was indeed the nexus of influence and money. The head of the Clinton Health Access Initiative, Ira Magaziner, suggested in a 2011 email that Bill Clinton call Sheikh Mohammed of Saudi Arabia to thank him for offering the use of a plane. In response, a top Clinton Foundation official wrote, quote, unless Sheikh Mo has sent us a $6 million check, this sounds crazy to do, a $6 million check. So you wouldn't, you know, call and thank unless there was the $6 million check. They're saying that this, this entire progressive apparatus, the Clinton campaign and the boosters at the Center for American Progress, they view voters as stupid and tiresome, segregated into groups that must either be cajoled into support or demeaned into silence. Uh, they say Republicans, uh, and this is according to Clinton and her cronies, right? Uh, Republicans are attracted to Catholicism. Let me say 12 times fast. Catholicism, Catholicism. Uh, Catholicism's, quote, severely backwards gender relations and only join the faith to, quote, sound sophisticated. They also say that Democratic leaders such as Bill Richardson are, quote, needy Latinos, that Bernie Sanders supporters are, quote, self-righteous. By the way, um, we've heard similar charges against people who would vote for Gary Johnson. I think we are now... If we want to vote for Gary Johnson or if we want to vote our conscience in any way, usually right now that means voting Gary Johnson or maybe not voting at all, uh, that you are a moral narcissist if you decide you're going to vote your conscience or perhaps abstain as an act of conscience. So they have it on the left, they have it on the right uh, or in the middle or the non-left, whatever we want to call where we are, right? Uh, Bernie Sanders supporters are, according to Clinton and her camp, self-righteous. In our camp, of course, we are moral narcissists. Uh, according to the Clinton camp, the only people who watch Miss America are, quote, from the Confederacy. And they also say that New York Mayor Bill de Blasio is, quote, a terrorist. I guess that's something about which the left and the non-left might actually agree. But still, you wouldn't think that this is something that Clinton should be talking about. And what, she's going to be president? This is pretty scary. The leaks also show, continues Strassel, that the press is in Mrs. Clinton's pocket. Donna Brazil, a former Clinton staffer and a TV pundit, sent the exact wording of a coming CNN town, town hall question to the campaign in advance of the event. Other media allowed the Clinton camp to veto which quotes they used from interviews, worked to maximize her press events, and offered campaign advice. If you also recall, I posted a link on a prior show's program notes showing that the CNN, uh, you know, moderator, that she actually prompted members of the focus group with the thing she wanted them to say, which is pretty horrible as well. Strassel continues, Mrs. Clinton has been exposed to have no core, to be someone who constantly changes her position to maximize political gain. Leaked speeches prove that she's had, had two positions, public and private, on banks, two positions on the wealthy, two positions on borders and on energy. Her team had endless discussions about what positions she should adopt to appease, quote, the Red Army, 
i.e. the base of the Democratic Party. Now, that, of course, is not as surprising, but it's still, you know, if people think that Clinton has any sort of stable set of principles, then that's an illusion as well. Strassel's point in putting this out in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal is that in the regular press, you might never hear it. You might never hear this at all. Let me zoom over to the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. Um, yeah, Biden didn't run for president, so they have to get behind Clinton, said just Jean over there. So, you know, what do you think of this? This is, this is quite disturbing that our press is essentially obscuring, you know, what we should actually be focusing on, which is the corruption of one of the candidates for president of the United States, someone who has, again, deliberately misrepresented and obscured the evidence about her mishandling of classified information, making it pretty sure that she had the requisite level of intent for indictment, despite the fact that she was never indicted and they said that there wasn't this evidence. Uh, Second of all, that it seems that the FBI's decision to not indict was a top-down decision, that any of the career agents, the ones who were non-political people, agents and prosecutors, that they wanted to prosecute and that they were squelched by this top-down decision. I heard also that they have a non-disclosure agreement, so I guess that this informant to Fox News ended up having to violate that in order to tell us this. Also disturbing. Um, and again, the evidence that you have special access granted to Clinton Foundation donors when Hillary Clinton was at the State Department. Imagine if you up that a level and you make her president and she's giving special access. Why are we also concerned? Because under a President Clinton, she has already told you what her agenda is, right? She told you that she wants to appoint someone to the Supreme Court who will overturn Citizens United, which is a core ruling in favor of First Amendment freedoms. We've seen recently that Obama, as one of the last things that he wants to do, is trying to figure out how he can get more control over the non-mainstream media, right? You know, again, if you've got the mainstream media under the thumb of Clinton and you have everybody else you know, out there kind of on the wild west of the internet, you've of course got people like Clinton, like Obama, who want to make sure that none of us are able to broadcast the truth out there. Because if you allowed that, then, you know, truth might actually win out. They might actually lose at some point. They want to do everything they can do to secure control over the American political process and all the information that's being fed to the voters in perpetuity. Uh, what were the two things she wanted to do? Overturn Citizen United and ensure, quote, voters' rights, which means she wants to make sure that there's going to be more Democratic voters. So this is very alarming stuff. Um, a second link to this sort of information, the you know, the WikiLeaks about Hillary Clinton and all the things that they reveal, a more technical presentation of it is offered by Tyler Durden, over at Zero Hedge. This was published, I guess, just today. It says 11.33 in the morning Eastern time. It says, about a week ago, we wrote about the newly released FBI interviews with numerous references to State Department officials, including Patrick Kennedy, 
applying pressure to subordinates to change classified email codes so they would be shielded from Congress and the public. There's also a link that they have in there, two boxes of Hillary emails mysteriously disappear. That's something else that's disturbing. But there's some, you know, redacted sections from the FBI notes. They say that they believe that there was interference with the formal FOIA review process, specifically states Near East Affairs Bureau upgraded several of Clinton's emails to a classified level. And then they say that this Kennedy, Patrick Kennedy, held a closed-door meeting with some people who were redacted, uh, DOJ's Office of Information Programs, where Kennedy pointedly asked to change the FBI's classification determination regarding one of Clinton's emails. And then somebody, blank, again redacted, heard the argument that some of Clinton's emails were unclassified back in the 2009 to 12 timeframe when they were initiated, but later classified. Uh, it was rare for something that was actually unclassified to become classified years after the fact, they said. Now, what they're saying, according to a Fox News report, is that there may have been a quid pro quo arrangement between the State Department and the FBI, whereby Patrick Kennedy, he's a senior executive at the State Department, offered, quote, additional slots for the FBI at missions overseas, end quote, in return for, quote, altering the classification of certain Hillary Clinton emails. Uh, Chaffetz in the uh, House, Jason Chaffetz, is going to conduct some investigations soon about this. If there was a quid pro quo between altering some of this evidence to the FBI and giving the FBI additional cushy overseas positions in exchange for that, that is very alarming. So this is more of the news that the mainstream media doesn't want you to know. They want you to be absorbed again in this nine minutes hate, you know, where the, the nine minutes is spent on Donald Trump. You know, oh, he said these horrible things and he groped those women. And, and boy, you know, you really should get caught up in that. So this is quite disturbing. I want to know, is anyone in the chat room here right now over at Blog Talk Radio, are you guys thinking of, Voting for Hillary Clinton as an anti-Trump vote. I mean, there is some sympathy for that as well, right? You think, okay, Trump is so hideous and he doesn't respect the rights of women. And, you know, in the past, some people have talked about using respecting the rights of women as a litmus test for whether you should support a candidate. So, for example, Randa talked about the fact that if you didn't respect a woman's right to abortion, then that might potentially disqualify you as a candidate. I think she might, you know, have a little bit of a different view today, you know, where you have basically anyone on the non-left doesn't potentially completely support a woman's right to abortion right now. So you might vote a little bit differently now. But before the, you know, the religious conservatives took over, before Ronald Reagan, the idea of a political candidate wanting to obliterate a woman's right to abortion was quite alarming. State Defiance in the chat room says, yes, all this about Clinton is alarming. Um, And he says, what's even more alarming is that no one will ever do anything about it. You know, this is one reason that people might want to vote for Trump, right? Because he did happen to say that Clinton should be in jail and that if he goes into office, he's going to appoint the special prosecutor 
and do something. Just Jean says, no, I'm not going to vote for Clinton or Trump. We are, we are between a rock and a very hard place right now to use the horrible cliche, but it, it is quite disturbing. What I don't want people to be able to do is to think that somehow these two are, are really on a par. Now, would, you know, could Trump potentially use political power that he has in the same corrupt way that Hillary Clinton does? Potentially. Uh, you know, this might actually be a good time to bring in the other parallel to 1984. If you're familiar with 1984, you realize that Goldstein, who is the target of the two minutes hate that they do every day, this guy Goldstein, that he may not have even ever existed. He may have been entirely a creature of the party or Big Brother, assuming Big Brother even exists, right? And so what do we have here? We have Hillary Clinton. Clearly Hillary Clinton exists. We know she exists. We know that she would, as president, be the equivalent of Big Sister. She wants to make herself into that. In fact, you know, when she's doing this talk that I was mentioning last week about, I want to be everyone's president. And even if you don't like me, you know, she's trying to get you to be charmed by her in some way. It's very, very 1984-esque, right? So, um, you know, you could, you could look at the parallels there. You could look at some of the evidence about her health. So, you know, clearly she exists. Right in 1984, you're not even 100% sure that Big Brother really exists. Clearly, Hillary Clinton exists, but does she exist as an actual physically healthy enough person to be president? That's a question that is being bandied about constantly. If you look on Drudge Report, the latest is I think there's a bed in her van or something because you know she's so ill, she's got to lay down in between appearances or whatever. I don't know, laying down in between appearances wouldn't be a bad idea, just taking a nap if you're on the campaign trail. Uh, you don't need to, I guess, if you're a Gary Johnson. I see Gary Johnson, he's out there doing 70-mile bike rides and ski runs and stuff, you know, showing you how fit and vital he is. You know that he's a, a healthy individual. What we don't know is whether Hillary Clinton, even though she's a real person, we're convinced of this, it's not that much like Big Brother, but it is in the sense that we don't know that she is a person who will be able physically to hold office for the time required when she, you know, for this office that she's running for for president. So that's a little bit scary. She could be propped up by a whole machine of, you know, people who know that she isn't actually the candidate who, you know, or the person who would be in charge. You know, she's some sort of figurehead for the party, right? Big sister. So there's that. And moreover, what we've learned from some of the WikiLeaks from the emails of Podesta is that um, Trump, his nomination, was manufactured by Clinton. So, yes, Trump is a real person. We all know he's a real person. But Trump, qua political candidate, qua viable political candidate, seems to be a creature of the Clinton machine. And this is the sort of thing, I've actually put it as a link on my blog, not in today's program notes, but in the, in the prior post when I was talking about doing a show last week, a second show. And the story there was that his nomination, Trump's nomination, is a creature of the Clinton machine. So yeah, Trump's a real person, but qua viable candidate for president, 
a creature of the Clinton machine, and therefore you could say not only is he's the target of the nine minutes hate, but he's not even a real political candidate in terms of actually earning the nomination of his own accord. It was due to the media influence of the Clinton machine. So that is very scary. Another ominous parallel, as Leonard Peikoff would say, an ominous parallel between what's been going on in this election cycle and Orwell's 1984. State Defiance says Trump is only running to make sure his buddy Clinton gets elected. It's plain and simple, right? So there's that as well. So would you vote for someone, Trump, to stop Clinton from getting elected when the only reason he's running is to make sure that she's getting elected? What is he going to do if for some reason he ended up getting in power anyway? He's going to do something that's going to favor her or support her machine. Freedom Breeze says, I will not vote for either Clinton nor Trump. She says, because I would not want to be part of the carnage, which I fear will come. Let me, let me give you a little bit of a different perspective that is via Tammy Bruce. And, you know, Tammy has been a Trump supporter basically ever since Ted Cruz dropped out of the race. Before that, she was saying that she could go, sometimes she said that she would go for either Trump or Cruz, but then quickly, you know, Cruz dropped out and then then it was just Trump left over. So what did she say? She said, and this is from Real Clear Politics, and thanks to Carrie Story, who's a, a TAM for passing this along. She says that I would prefer to be offended by Trump on occasion than to be left for dead by Hillary. And, you know, listen to Tammy's characterization of where we are and why it is that she would vote for Trump, right? Now, one thing, I always love this comment from her. She says, it's really good that we're not electing a husband or a boyfriend, isn't it? Right? Because, and it's true, this is not unique to Trump or Bill Clinton. It goes back to JFK and it probably goes back even further. This idea of philandering, perhaps sexual assault, rape, corruption in the White House uh, with regard to affairs and everything else. Uh, She says, we're electing a president. Now, here's the analogy that Tammy makes. This is where she thinks we are and this is why she is out there saying, no, you've got to vote for Trump. This is what she says. She says, quote, if you look at him, Trump, as if you're in the ambulance and you're going to the trauma center and there is a trauma surgeon, I'm not going to particularly care how that person is going to be speaking. She says that person is going to be able to get you to live another day, to be able to get out of that emergency room, to be able to function the next day. And she continues, now, look, I can tell you that the Obamas probably have the best marriage since the Reagans in the White House. Mr. Obama clearly does not offend anyone when he speaks about women or people. Now, when he's on a plane showing off his crotch to the press, that's a whole other thing. You may have seen that going around there. Uh, But no, you know, is he out there speaking about women, et cetera? No. She says, this nation is now going down the drain. And while I would prefer to have President Reagan back, we don't. So what I'm looking for is I'm voting for Mr. Trump for the thousands of women who deserve not to be murdered, as an example, by one of the 1.2 million illegal criminals 
illegal alien criminals in the nation. She says there's violence. It's about economic freedom. It's about jobs. She says, again, I mentioned earlier the 3.7 million women in poverty since Obama came, became president. She says, so, of course, we would prefer fabulousness at every level. She says, from Mr. Trump, I prefer to be offended by him on occasion than to be left for dead by Hillary, end quote. So she sees basically Trump as somebody where you could say, okay, at least I'm going to live in the short term. I'm going to be able to function the next day. I'm going to get out of the emergency room, so to speak. And do I agree with her? I think, yeah, probably if we elected Trump, we'd get out of that emergency room and be able to function the next day. But then you wonder, at what cost would you be able to function long term anyway with all of Trump's policies? That's something I'm not so sure of. But that just gives you a perspective of someone whom I, you know, love and respect. Tammy is awesome. And this is where she's going with this. She says, well, I've got to vote for Trump. Why? Because I want to be able to get out of the emergency room and function for the next day. We are in such dire straits that your option is to be left for dead by Hillary Clinton. Just Jean says, it sounds like me to me like she's willing to settle for a horrible choice for president. But Tim in the chat room says, that's the way I see it, too. She is not saying that um, he is not even a horrible choice, necessarily. Uh, it, you know, it, it does put her in a bit of an awkward situation because he has said and apparently done some horrible things to women. But, you know, if you, if you really think that that's the equivalent, that you need a trauma surgeon and you're being, you know, taken to the emergency room and you might not live to see another day, and that this is the guy who is going to make sure that you at least live to see another day, then you go ahead and vote for him. The question is, if the only reason that he's running is to make sure that Clinton gets elected, do you really get to see the other day, or do you get to see one more day and then have the trauma come and happen again? In which case, why go through all of that pain twice? State Defiance says, Tammy Bruce sounds very distraught about the way Trump is now campaigning or lack thereof. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't blame her. And then there's, you know, again, other people, there are Trump supporters who are saying, yeah, the election is being rigged. And so, you know, once this happens, they're not giving up and they're even threatening riots, which is another scary development. So if we get Hillary Clinton, you might see all sorts of riots in the street. What are the answers to this? Right. What do you do in the face of this other than try to turn off the news? I don't know, you know, or, or focus on the election four years from now. Is that the thing that we need to do? We need to focus on the election four years from now. What can we get done between now and then to make sure that someone halfway decent can be elected? If you want to call in and tell me your strategies, the number to call is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760 760- Eight 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 five eight one seven. What I would like to do is, as much as possible, spread far and wide the truth about Hillary Clinton, um, so that if and when she does get elected, which seems likely, people will know the truth about what is going on, and maybe we can make her the most hated one-term president ever, if that's possible to do in the United States today. If we're not going to have a total kind of collapse and default by our Republicans. I, re I really don't know what to expect 
of the Republicans if we do have a Hillary Clinton presidency. There have been all these hearings, right? And again, we've got Chaffetz saying he's going to go ahead and continue to investigate. But doesn't it seem like a Republican-led House and Senate could have done more already at this point? Assange is apparently going to continue to release bombshells. Again, if anyone's paying attention, if the news agencies bother to analyze and publicize what is in these WikiLeaks, there is a lot of damning stuff between the FOIA, between the FBI interviews, between the WikiLeaks. And what we've seen today is somebody seems to be very upset with Assange because his internet connection has been intentionally severed by the state party. That's Okay, everyone, I think I should be back. And I know I've lost a couple of people over here in the chat room. Can you hear me now? Are you guys able to hear me? Go ahead and type in the chat room if you can hear. Yay. Yeah, they're saying, yeah, very suspicious. So where was I when you lost sound? I see back here that Tim is saying no that Tammy doesn't seem distraught. She doesn't seem like the type who would normally be distraught. Um, So is she distraught? Maybe she would be disappointed. I mean, can Trump maybe campaign a little more effectively? I know a lot of people who have been able to or think they would be able to and would be able to coach Trump to make the most of any media coverage that he does get or his debate appearances. It's going to be very interesting that, uh, you know, to see what happens in the debate this week. It's going to be a debate moderated by Chris Wallace of Fox News. So, yeah, everyone has got me back. Awesome. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Kay Doolittle saying, the moment that you mentioned Assange's internet interruption, you disappeared. What a coincidence is that? This is what I want to know, right? But So his internet connection was cut. And then, yeah, so I'm going I'm to watch what happens in the studio. Yeah, we're going to talk about Assange and his internet connection being cut. Yeah, NSA, we're talking about that. We are. We dare to talk about Assange. Now, I mean, we could talk about this, right? So think about this. Um, Assange is doing things to, you know, is, is he doing things to purposefully manipulate the American election cycle Right. Could you see it as a act of cyber war and all this kind of right. So we could talk about the fact that um, like Snowden. Technically on the books, he's doing something that is wrong and that the United States would have a right to try to retaliate or use any influence it has over foreign governments to get them to retaliate on our behalf. Right. So we have, you know, extradition agreements and other sorts of agreements with other countries And, you know, so arguably, is our country justified in doing something to defend itself against a hacker and a leaker like Assange or like a Snowden? Sure. But then the question is, in today's context, do you think that the material that Assange is leaking is something that the public needs to know, 
that you would understand Assange breaking laws that are technically on the books, right? Doing things that are hostile to United States interests right now in today's context to avoid a horrible person like Hillary Clinton coming into office. As far as I know, Assange is some sort of leftist. Why does he want to leak all of this stuff against Hillary Clinton? Because maybe even he sees that she is dangerous. Is he trying to just have power for himself? I don't know. Uh, Again, you know, I've talked about Snowden in the past. Does Snowden have the most awesome, pure motives that someone like I would have if I was leaking the sort of information that Snowden leaked? Not necessarily. He's been influenced by Greenwald and all of that. It's disappointing. But nonetheless, I support Snowden, and I think that what he did was right. So, yes, technically is Assange doing something that you would expect United States government to try to through influence on foreign governments and foreign Internet service providers. He would try to squelch, you know, they would try to squelch him. Sure. Do you nonetheless, in today's context with Assange leaking this information that's very damning about Hillary Clinton, do you nonetheless cheer him on? Yes, I do. Uh, selfishness in the chat room says Hillary manipulating Trump manipulating Russia manipulating Assange manipulating America is a big target yeah today it, it definitely seems to be and with respect to many things with good cause right with good cause um, let me see if anybody is calling in yeah I do have a call in the studio I'm going to go ahead and take it hi you're on the air who's this Yes, good afternoon, ma'am. My name's Robert. How are you doing? Robert, I'm doing okay. What are you calling about? Yeah, um, I'm a uh, former liberal that's uh, conservative now and um, obviously uh, supporting Donald Trump. And I don't know if you know this, and I've been trying to you know, follow a lot of the different news media outlets recently, but with the exception of a few, it seems as if the WikiLeaks story has completely been downplayed and the whole allegations against Trump seems to be the the main line for the last, I don't know, almost a week and a half now consistently. And I, I don't know if, I just wanted to ask if you feel like that's a way of the media sort of trying to minimize uh, the impact of the WikiLeaks, or do you feel as though, you know, like, or how do you feel about that from your perspective? So, and, and you said your name is Robert, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So I, are, you're a first time caller and listener to the show? Uh, yes, ma'am. So welcome. I, I welcome you here. If I don't know if you listened earlier in the show today. I actually got disconnected by Blog Talk for a short period of time. But earlier in the show, I was talking about this very subject. And, in fact, I have a link at my blog at DontLetItGo.com to Brent Bozell's piece where he talks about statistically how much time was spent on, you know, disparaging Trump because of the way that he spoke to women, you know, the women who are accusing him of sexual assault, et cetera, et cetera, they would spend, you know, and this is CBS, ABC, NBC, the leading networks, they would spend nine minutes on that. And I don't know if you're familiar with 1984, Robert, but in, did you uh, read the novel 1984 or see the movie? I uh, know, ma'am. You haven't? Okay. Well, in 1984, which is, you've heard of 1984, though, where they talk about Big Brother and Big Brother is watching you. It's the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's the novel about the totalitarian state, right? And one of the things that they have as part of this totalitarian state is every day 
you as a citizen, you're supposed to engage in something called the two minutes hate. And they'll put up on the little screen, you know, the screen that's in front of you that you can never escape from. They put up on the screen this person, Goldstein, that you're supposed to hate. And they tell you how horrible he is. And they try to whip you up into this frenzy. And, of course, you're, you're expected to get whipped up into this frenzy of hatred against this guy, Goldstein, right? And you're supposed to go and go and, you know, curse at him and want to throw things at the screen and all this kind of stuff. And what that does is it, it forces you as a frustrated citizen under a totalitarian dictatorship, it forces you to redirect your hatred at this convenient target, this guy Goldstein. And so when I saw the stats about, you know, they spent nine minutes on Trump this last week, you know, uh, on a typical night, they'd spend nine minutes on Trump and then they'd spend just seconds on the WikiLeaks information and the other information that shows that Hillary Clinton is guilty of those things that she's been accused of, right? This is horrible. And I see this as analogous to the two minutes hate in 1984, right? You know, the, the media is doing whatever it can to get you whipped up into this frenzy of hatred against Trump so that you will be distracted, that you'll forget about all the things that Hillary Clinton has been accused of and is now being shown to be guilty of. It's, it's very alarming. Do you agree? Well, absolutely. And um, I don't know, did you get to see, um, there, was a, there was a great interview this weekend with Newt Gingrich uh, with Martha Raddich on ABC News, in which she really, I, I, I did I not really see it. illustrated your point. Oh, you should, it's, it's, on, it's available on YouTube. You should definitely check it out. He really hammered in and really broke down the whole argument against the liberal media bias and what they've been doing in this election. And uh, if you ever get a chance, it's definitely worth checking out. But the one thing I I would want to add to is at some point, though, I just, there has to, I don't know if you have the same level of frustration when it comes to Trump in the sense that most of the damage seems to be a lot of times it seems to be self-inflicted by him just saying things that I don't know. I, I can't believe anyone in the campaign is like whether whether it be Kelly and, and Conway or anyone else that's actually supportive of some of the stuff he says. Right. Like he just says dumb things, and it's like sometimes you just want to shake the guy and say, "Wake up, man! What what are you doing? Like, are you trying well, to throw this thing?" I mean, exactly, exactly. And so let me ask you this question, right? Because you're saying right now, as of now, you still consider yourself a Trump supporter. Oh yes, ma'am. But you're frustrated because the things that he says seem to be things that only someone who wanted to throw the election would say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what if what if you learned that there is evidence in the Podesta WikiLeaks emails that at least his nomination, Trump's nomination, was manufactured and orchestrated by the Clinton machine because of the Clinton machine's control over the news media? And why is that? Because Hillary knew that she could beat Donald Trump. That there is evidence of out there already. The thing that it, there is not necessarily evidence of, which is something that some people have speculated about, is that Donald Trump is running only for the purpose of making sure that Hillary Clinton, you're right, that it's coming from him as well. It's not just that Hillary saw, you know, here's this sucker and I'm going to be able to beat him. But moreover, that Donald Trump himself is in it only to help Hillary win it. If that's true, can you still vote for Donald Trump? If that's the case, which is what I actually suspected, in all honesty, this goes back to the primary. Like I was initially some more supportive of him. Mm-hmm. I've only I only came around to Trump after the primary because it's obvious, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type thing. But right, 
you're, you're, but, I, but to your point, though, I, I actually that's what I've suspected from the beginning that he's actually a Trojan candidate planted in. To your point, whether it be by the Clinton, you know, machine or the Democratic establishment, but I feel that that may be the case. But even if that is the case, if we can still beat her in any way, shape, or form, I still see why not. Because fundamentally, at the end of the day, she's the worst case scenario for us. I, I do think that she is, in terms of a guarantee, the worst case scenario. And I don't know if you heard when I was talking about Tammy Bruce's take, her current take on the election. She that she says, "Look, right now, we as a country are in the position of someone who has undergone a horrible physical trauma." You need a trauma surgeon. You're in an ambulance on the way to the emergency room. And all you care about is whether there's a trauma surgeon there who is going to be able to operate on you, make sure that you can walk out of that emergency room and live to see another day. And she's saying Donald Trump is far from perfect, but he's going to help us live to see another day. And so that's why I would go ahead and vote for him. And of course, you know, Tammy Bruce is a former leading feminist and everything else. She calls herself independent conservative now, but she's got the feminist credentials. And here she is saying, even though Donald Trump has said horrible things about women, has potentially even assaulted women, nonetheless, she'd vote for him because of the horrible state that we're in. So you're, you're kind of in that same camp. You're saying we've got to stop Hillary. We know, and the way that Tammy Bruce puts it, she said, Hillary's going to leave us for dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, Hillary would be like jumping into the fire and getting burnt, whereas with Trump, it'd be like jumping in an ocean. And then we sort of have to learn how to swim and kind of navigate that. And so with Trump, he's clearly shown that he's he's a guy that is like, is like soft clay. He's very moldable. And he can kind of, you can bend him in different directions if you have the necessary, if you have the right people around him to influence him in the right direction. And I think we've seen that throughout the entire process. But the one thing with him that, you, that at least as a Republican and a conservative that I would like is that he would at least put some backbone into the Republicans that just has been lacking for the last eight years. I mean, what they did in 2012 and 2014, when they promised that if we gave them the supermajority that they would actually fight against Obama, fight against a secular progressive agenda, and yet they went in there and completely bowed down to them. I mean, yeah. I, it got to the point where I was expecting Mitch McConnell to offer an apology to the Democrats uh, on behalf for of the Republicans for even trying, for even you right. know, I mean, really, it was unbelievable. Right. And so, I, I, I'm sure you probably feel the same way in the sense that during the primary, that's what obviously gave Trump the support because Republicans saw someone, okay, an unapologetic Republican. He may not have been totally conservative, but he was unapologetic and he was willing to fight. And so right. that's the characteristics that conservatives want to see, and we've been wanting it for years from our politicians. So the hope is that, and I, I, I think you would agree with me on this, that if he became president, he could be that figurehead, that guy that the other Republicans could rally behind because this guy is going to go full force into it. And if they can Right, but then the question like, is, you know, the, the question is, what is he going to go full force into? He, when he is speaking in the context of a debate and he's trying to describe his policy positions, He's utterly incoherent. And yeah, you, like you were saying, I, the way that I put what you were saying, that he's kind of moldable, I put that, you know, everybody sees him as the empty vessel that they think they're going to be able to fill. You know, he's an empty vessel who has some very good characteristics, which is that he apparently speaks his mind without absolutely any filter. So you sort of get what you see or hear. And then 
you know, moreover, this idea that he's anti-establishment, you know, that he's he's bucking the trend in some way. But I don't even know that that's a, a particular guarantee. You know what I was going to ask you, Robert, is what do you think there is this other strategy for stopping Hillary Clinton and also not necessarily voting for Trump? Because, again, if you vote for Trump, at the very least, you are voting for somebody whose nomination was a creature of the Clinton machine. Clinton, through her influence on the media, created that Trump nomination. Imagine if we had Ted Cruz, who was the second, you know, going into that whole thing. You know, if Ted Cruz hadn't gotten out of the race, um, you know, he was actually getting the, you know, the number two amount of votes or whatever. So imagine if we had Cruz, right? It would, I mean, I think he could have beaten Hillary Clinton. He would have done so much better against her in debates. Any decent Republican could have defeated Hillary and challenged her in a debate, but Trump cannot. So at least there's that. There's a danger that Trump actually might be the Trojan horse candidate, as you mentioned, Robert. So think about this. And this was put up by Michael Graham at The Federalist. This is a strategy whereby they're saying that we can get out of this false alternative of either Trump or Clinton, that there is another way to go. First of all, they say if you reside in Utah, you are supposed to vote for Evan McMullen. Do you know who Evan McMullen is? Uh, Yes, ma'am. And what do you think of him? Yeah, I I think of him the same way I think of Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, in the sense that at this point, it's it would be to vote for them would be basically not voting at all, in all honesty. Well, but apparently in Utah, that's not the case, right? And so what this strategy is laying out is that if if you are a voter in certain states, then you have the ability to deny electoral college votes to either Trump or Clinton. So in Utah, Evan McMullen is polling near dead even with the other candidates. So if everybody who is sick of this alternative, this Morton's fork, as a friend of mine calls it, of Trump versus Clinton, these are horrible alternatives, vote for Evan McMullen in Utah. You're not in Utah, or are you? Where are you? Uh, no, ma'am, I'm not. I'm, I'm in Minnesota. But to, to the point about Utah, I mean, the recent poll that just came out today had Trump at 37 and had uh, Clinton and McMullen tied at 20. And let's just think about this, for example. If McMullen were to win Utah, Utah has been traditionally a red state going back since 1964. Actually, no, 1968 was the last time Utah didn't vote Republican or, or was in a red state. And so mm-hmm. if, if, if McMullen were to win it, the only person that's going to get hurt is Trump in this scenario. Like there's no actual blue states that could go to, say, Gary Johnson or Jill Stein or McMullen or any other third-party candidate that would actually hurt Clinton. The only person that could get hurt in this scenario is Trump. Um, well, in, in New Mexico, you can vote for Gary Johnson. Right. But and again, then, New Mexico is a state that's, you know, for the last couple of elections has gone blue. A couple exactly. Times, so then you're going to you're going to be it, taking you're going to be taking electoral votes away from Hillary Clinton and giving them to someone other than Trump, which would be a great thing to do. Right. But I mean, you know, I mean, you obviously you're aware of the fact that the Democrats have the blue wall as far as the general election is concerned. For sure, she's going to get New York. She's going to get Illinois. She's going to get California. And then she's. Right now, she's in play to get three of the key swing states. She's up in Pennsylvania. She's right, just took right. a slim but, lead but in North can, Carolina and Florida. It can still happen, and apparently all you need all you need are seven states to go for someone either, you know, other than 
Trump and Clinton. And if you got that to happen, then you would throw this to the House of Representatives. And what could you and then get? They if would you... give it to Clinton. No, the House of Representatives would probably not give it to Clinton, right? They're saying most likely you would get McMullen and Johnson. At least that's what the There's author no way over they at the Federalist. Like the only way they could, the only move that would be the most justifiable is they would ultimately concede on who had the most electoral votes. That's what they're going to actually look at, like who had the most. And they're, because not, any not, other not, not necessarily, they right? Because there, there are going to be some huge WikiLeaks probably in the next few weeks. And everyone is going to realize that the people who are voting for Hillary Clinton are voting in total ignorance of the dereliction of duty that she has. And that was another thing that I was talking about earlier in my show today is that she has, first of all, lied and covered up all the information about her mishandling of classified information, right? Which itself was a dereliction of of duty in her tenure as the state department, um, you know, the head of state department. Then, um, the other thing that that shows all of this information from the WikiLeaks and everything else is the utter corruption of her tenure at State Department because it was polluted by the Clinton Foundation, right? The donors of the Clinton Foundation got special access to Hillary Clinton, whatever power she had as Secretary of State that was given, you know, to the donors. So there's that as well. There's also the uh, control over the media. There's all of this evidence, like you were saying, that the everyone is ignoring, and the people in the House of Representatives are well aware of it. So I don't think that they are beholden to automatically just rubber stamp whoever it is who's got the highest number of electoral votes. It's not as if people who end up voting for Clinton are excited. A lot of them are doing it just to stop Trump comes to the House of Representatives, the reason I say this is that I base a lot of these things on patterns of behavior that we've seen over the last 10 years. What we've seen is that the vast majority of our politicians, both Republican and Democrat, don't actually have a backbone. They basically go where the wind is blowing and where there's the least amount of resistance. Because a lot of these people are, you know, they're more concerned about their reelection than they are about the actual greater good of the country. And so in this case, the, the negative press that's been circulated about Trump and the fact that Hillary Clinton is going to have a substantial lead in the Electoral College, I mean, depending on how the election actually turns out, she should have a pretty substantial lead. Right, and but so Robert, you know, and we'd, 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 have to go, we'd, we'd have to go look at the poll data, right? But the poll data that I recall seeing is that even though people are most likely to vote for Clinton because they're doing the anti-Trump vote, that most people are profoundly dissatisfied with this choice of either Clinton or Trump. And I could see a House of Representatives being able to no doubt put McMullen and Johnson in there. Apparently, in 1824, John Quincy Adams was elected president, even though he did not win the majority vote or did he have the most electoral college votes. He was nonetheless put in as president. So, you know, here we have this very unusual, horrible election cycle. And certainly this is this is a way to go. I don't know that Donald Trump actually has a clear path to victory anyway. Does he even have a clear path to victory? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, he, he does. It's still slim, but it's still there. I mean, he basically would have to do win the you know, traditional red states, 
You have to win Florida, which is still a tight race, and he was leading for quite some time. North Carolina's neck and neck. He can still win that. Ohio, I believe he's still up by one there, so he's that's still in play. And then from there, he's got Iowa, Nevada, Arizona. New Mexico's a swing state that could go one way or the other. If that goes in his favor, that'll help. But the key state to watch is New Hampshire because New Hampshire could actually set up a scenario, if you were to get that, where Trump and Clinton end up with 269 apiece. And all of you don't realize it's just New Hampshire and one district in Maine, because Maine actually breaks down by district. So, it doesn't so, give the. So this is this is where this is where you stand, then, Robert. So you say, okay, Trump has a path to victory, and what you now you said you're in Minnesota. Does your vote matter in Minnesota? Is it going to go for Hillary Clinton anyway? No, it's yes. Yeah, yeah, Minnesota's a liberal state. It'll definitely go vote to Clinton. Now, so then do you realize if you voted for Gary Johnson in your state, first of all, you'd be voting for a decent guy. He's a decent guy. But um, I don't know about that. Well, he's decent. You may think he's disappointing. I actually find him disappointing in a number of respects. But is he somebody who has, you know, first of all, a bad track record in terms of bankrupting businesses and all the kind of croniest deals and stuff that Donald Trump has. No, he doesn't have that. In fact, he's got solid executive experience in the state of New Mexico that's quite respectable. He's got a number of good positions, like, for instance, eliminating the IRS and eliminating the Federal Department of Education, neither of which you would see under a President Trump. Um, is, well, is he... Trump is on the record wanting to do both those things. In fact, he was ridiculed at uh, one of the recent debates uh, that CNN held back in the primary. And um he was ridiculed twice for his position of wanting to eradicate the Department of Education, along with uh, getting rid of the IRS and reforming the tax code. I and mean, they were they were they were mocking him during the debate as if that idea in itself was a completely foolish idea. If you if so, you could send me uh, Robert, if you could send me a link to those things uh, by him where he actually took those extreme positions, I'd I'd be wanting to see it because everything else he's taken a milk toast, you know, repeal and replace Obamacare and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I have okay. I have not seen I have not seen that so I would I would like to see that from uh, a Trump if he actually has a solid position on those uh, you know on those positions on those issues but yeah. you know so you're saying you're you're saying okay Trump's got a clear path to victory you want to vote for Trump because of a similar reason for Tammy Bruce it's basically you want to live to see another day we're like the you know person going into the emergency room about to die yeah. Well, not quite, actually, because I actually really like a lot of his economic plan. Uh, I got to listen to his speech at the Detroit Economic Forum, where he really laid out in a very detailed and uh, surprisingly substantive way uh, his entire economic policy and what his actual plans were. And I was really surprised, because before that, I felt as though he didn't really have a plan, and you know, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't think he had said anything substantive enough. But when I actually listened to that um, and really saw the way he broke down a lot of things in depth, I was really blown away. And I agreed on the vast majority of the things you brought up, and I think anyone who's I, a fiscal conservative would would agree with most of his policy plans and ideas. I um I I have heard that there are economic advisors that he's been listening to are halfway decent. When I watched him in this last debate, he seemed woefully unable to articulate any of that, or even defend his right to keep more of his own money when he was questioned about taking an income tax deduction for business losses, right? So he certainly doesn't have a principled understanding of the right to keep the money that one earns. Um, 
or a principled understanding of the idea that we should not be paying more in taxes than the government forces us to pay. So, you know, in terms of any sort of a principled position on economic policy, he seems, he seems to lack that. Now, he may have been able to give a speech coached by economic advisors. Maybe it was prepared and stuff to talk about some of the policies. And indeed, he might be able to be trusted to enact you know, or at least try to enact some of those policies as well. Uh, so it is, it's kind of a crapshoot if, if you vote for Trump. But so I, I understand. So that, that is, is your position. So it's not quite as desperate as Tammy Bruce's. There's a little bit more substantive support for him. And you're not on the bandwagon that the way to stop Hillary might be to go with a third party candidate. You'd rather stop Hillary via Trump. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, I, I, I still hold to the belief that conservative policies are actually beneficial both in, in the long term in particular, but even in the short term. And the problem that that the conservatives have had is that we haven't been able to actually um, explain that in a way that the general public can understand. And that's where Trump, when he comes in in that last debate, for example, I don't know, you may not have felt that he had won. I thought he won resoundingly because he actually did what well, was required in that debate. Because but the, but the, thing, the, things, like the things that he won on, the things that he won on were a little bit more on the you know, so-called personal attacks. And then I would say that any advantage that he gained by winning, you know, by saying you should be in jail and stuff, which are things that need to be said to Hillary Clinton, because probably she should be in jail. Uh, but any of that, I think, was negated by the subsequent revelations about the assault and all the stuff that's been going on in the media. We're, it's going to be interesting to see what the debate is this week. Uh, Robert, I thank you for your call, and hopefully okay. you will call in again, and we can go ahead and, and talk in some of the weeks going forward. I appreciate you telling us where you stand on this. Okay, so what do we have? We've got someone who wants to vote for Trump as a way to stop Hillary. Some people saying it's a, you know, last-ditch emergency effort, a la Tammy Bruce, or you have our caller, Robert, there, who says, no, there's something, you know, there's something a little bit better than about Trump than that. It's not just this last-ditch emergency effort to go ahead and, you know, just live for another day. Trump as trauma surgeon, says Gene in the chat room. Oh, no. Uh, what else is going on here over in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio? Uh, Freedom Breeze thinks that the thing that's dangerous about Trump is the low self-esteem. He's going to try to have glory. Um, now, what does Tim think? Uh, Tim thinks, yes, Tim Peck in the chat room says that he is trying to throw the election. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. If he, if he truly is trying to throw the election, why would you vote for him as a way to stop Hillary? I don't know that that is the only way to deny Hillary Clinton the 270 electoral college votes that she needs in order to secure the presidency. So do take a look at these alternative strategies. One of them is put out by Gary Johnson himself, right? Of course, Gary Johnson wants to be the one who would be put in by the House of Representatives. But, um, you know, obviously you could have a McMullen Johnson presidency that is, you know, as per speculation by Michael Graham over at the Federalist as well. 
Again, go to the blog, don'tletitgo.com. You'll see all the program notes that I have today. I do thank Robert for calling. That did make it that I'm kind of running a little bit behind here. I think I've got only a couple minutes left. So let me just give you a quick rundown of a couple things over there. Besides that, we have more news in the battle against ISIS. And this, this is going to develop in the days that come. I guess the, the you know there's a coalition force. Over 30,000 troops, I think from 60-some-odd countries, but this is a U.S.-led coalition force that is trying to take Mosul back in uh, from ISIS. And what we've heard is that so far it's been an aggressive beginning to the campaign, but that ISIS is retaliating via suicide attacks, and I'm not sure what the effects of those are. There's a couple links to different stories about that. Um, and then I've got a few things at the end. One could actually help you in terms of your health, which is that Cipro, Avalox, and these other uh, similar fluoroquinones, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, different types of antibiotics should be avoided if they can at all costs because of side effects. Read that letter before you get prescribed one of those antibiotics. Uh, a little fun piece, it's raining in L.A. and people are losing their minds. It's true. And then a bizarre story from the British press, a survey, almost half of all men are trimming or shaving their leg hair. Why? And they're saying, well, you're not a swimmer. And to that, I would add, you're probably not a cyclist either. So why are you doing this? And I would agree. Um, But yeah, don't spend too much time on that stuff because that's exactly what the media is trying to get you to do. Get distracted. Uh, A la the Lego movie, the show about where's my pants? the same kind of thing guys so go back read your 1984 see if you see the parallels that i do decide what we're going to do in the election can you vote for the guy who is the stooge or is maybe throwing the election etc or is there a third way we'll keep talking about it next week i will talk to you a week from today have a good week